Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. It's another blistering uh, account of hot weather out there. Did you hear this? The triple digits going on around most of our part of the world and in places like Texas. You can only imagine. It is August in New Orleans. August in New Orleans. August in New Orleans. That doesn't work at all. Just... That well, I forgot worry. to warn our guest about you. Oh, uh, <laughs> you warned our guest. We <laughs> have a guest do, today. I forgot to this time. <laughs> it's uh, it's a, we're flashing red and white lights to let him know that what's going to happen. Uh, that we well, no, no, the flashing light for her or the warning for her. Would... Uh, anything that would uh, serve to her um, her achievement. Hello, Carolyn. It's Carolyn. Carolyn. Carolyn hey. Williams. Carolyn, uh, yes. is going, you're going to talk about something that my husband, who's 31-year running show, I've just joined the show a few months ago, uh, never, ever wants to get into, but but I do. <laughs> they don't like, I'm warning you, this is New Orleans, and we like our food. We like our fried food. We like our cream, creamy food. We like our buttery food. We like all of these fattening things that you're going to say contribute to inflammation. And I'm inviting you on the show to help us out, to help us do better than we normally do, because inflammation is very bad. Is it? What, what, what is <laughs> it, anyway? You first have to convince my husband that it's bad, because he's been eating like this for a long time. Uh, but anyway, going back to this, you just threw out, that, threw out that word, uh, Inflammation. inflammation. This is a book about inflammation. It's a nutrition book. Ah. And and it's basically it's kind of the Mediterranean diet, isn't it? Oh, is that true? Carolyn? Yeah, that's probably a good way a good way to describe it. It's um, meals that heal, 100 plus everyday anti-inflammatory recipes in 30 minutes or less. And I have to say, I love y'all's food too. So that's kind of why I wrote this book because I love good food. I'm trying to balance being a dietitian with a love, uh, passion for culinary arts and a love of good food and tried to marry the two in the middle because I'm not going to sacrifice flavor either uh, or taste as well. Well, if you said y'alls, I'm guessing yeah. that you're a southerner. <laughs> so where are you from? Yes, I am from Tuscaloosa, Alabama. You're from Tuscaloosa, where? Alabama. Oh, Alabama! Uh, can I give you Not a can I, can I give you a little um, little note on this? <laughs> we had a guy who uh, listened to our program very frequently, almost every day, and he would call in and he was he would talk about food mostly, but he was mostly talking about being a good guy. He he was really a fun sort of person, and he always had a lot to say. Well, he was from uh, from uh, Tuscaloosa. Tuscaloosa. <laughs> And uh, his, yeah, his name, uh, well, we just called him Clark the Gourmet Truck Driver. Truck Driver. 
Yeah, Which and he's is, passed away, and and we don't know if inflammation was involved, but isn't it sort yeah. of always involved now? I mean, that's kind of like the thing. Inflammation it, is, it is. is it the is. major culprit of everything, right? Yes, hmm. and honestly, inflammation wasn't even on my radar about three years ago um, until I started. I um, got asked to write a story on Alzheimer's for Cooking Light magazine. So oh. I really had to dig into the research and. Um, really, inflammation is at the root of that, or is one of the key things at the root of it. Um, but still didn't have any interest in inflammation, really. And then I got some other assignments, one on diabetes, one on um, an autoimmune um, issue. And I, it just became so apparent to me that the common link that all these have is that inflammation is at the root of all of them. Yeah, it's um, like the one, really like the one road yeah. to everything. Yeah. Yes, we really don't need these specific diets. We just need to reduce inflammation, and that's what's going to help everything um, and keep us healthy and slow aging um, as well as improve any conditions we've already may have. You know, many, many, many years ago, when I first started my career, I was actually a producer for a guy who had a, a new, I guess he was a nutritionist. It's, I don't remember, but... But I just love a quote that he had. I, I still laugh about it. I still quote it today. Um, the question was about cereal. And he said, oh, you're asking about cereal for your kids. Well, I'd rather they eat the box. <laughs> and, and that's really kind of true if you think about it. Now we know so much more. But all these processed foods are just so bad for you. So, all right, so you, you, you got into the, you started learning about inflammation. All the roads led to inflammation. And you love food. How did you reconcile these two things? Well, I've, been, I've developed recipes for years, and I was a cookbook editor for years. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, and kind of walked that, towed that line between being a dietitian and a love of food and um, usually, but develop more kind of healthier um, types of recipes. So when I saw this was a need, um, I, I just started digging into, you know, okay, what is it that really in causes inflammation or inflames the body? What is it that reduces it? Um, and just kind of started building recipes around that. Now, I will say part of Meals That Heal is, you know, I'm a busy working mom, so I love to cook, but at this stage in life, cooking dinner at night is a chore. So it's got to be something, all these recipes have to taste good, have to kind of meet my nutritional guidelines, and then it's got to be something that I would actually cook at 6 o'clock when I'm, you know, helping with homework and shuttling kids to soccer practice and that type of thing. So every single one in the book, my kids have tasted and approved. And uh, so there was lots of involvement here. Uh, They're beautiful. I'll say that. So, all right, true confessions, Carolyn. Mm -hmm. Do you stop at the supermarket and pick up a rotisserie chicken and, and other things like a lot of other working moms? Yes, of course, of course. So and how do you modify I, these things for 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 good health? Yeah, well, it's all about how you use the ingredients. I'm I'm big on maybe prepping components. I'm I'm not huge on meal prep because I don't want to eat the same thing every day. But I'll prep components like on Sunday. I'll make sure I have some healthy proteins or buy a rotisserie chicken, and I have lots of greens, and I have a 
cooked whole grain and lots of healthy, you know, avocado and healthy um, uh, fats on hand. Um, and I tell people, you know, it doesn't mean eating, reducing inflammation doesn't mean you have to cook everything from scratch because that's unrealistic for most people. Um, even if I had the time, I don't know if I'd want to make everything from scratch. So there are definitely smarter ways to learn to shop, though. Um, you know, if you are buying a jar of marinara, um, I tell people, and I, I kind of coach you through this at the end of a lot of the chapters, here's how to buy a bottle of salad dressing. Sure, the homemade going to be better and probably a little healthier, but if you do need to buy one, here's what to look for. So I kind of coach you through that, and I tell people one of my biggest tips is if you're buying something in a box or in a can or in a jar, look at the ingredient list. And what I do is I look at the ingredients, and I want them to look like the ingredients that I would use at home if I was making that marinara or if I was making that salad dressing. So I want to see ingredients I recognize, and then I want to see a high-quality ingredient. And so if I see those and the ingredient list is fairly short and there's not a bunch of other junk that I wouldn't use myself in the kitchen, um, that's, a, that's a minimally healthier processed item, minimally, minimally processed item. It's a compromise. Um, that you can use for a shortcut. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Okay, let me ask you about inflammation. Inflammation was described to me years ago. As if you looked, let's say you would take your your forearm and you would take your hand and you would just keep rubbing and rubbing and rubbing and rubbing and rubbing. Or if you had like a brush and you kept rubbing till it got all red and pimply and just messed up. That does sound okay? good. But that's what your arteries are <laughs> in inflammation. Okay. So how can, how can it be that you reduce inflammation and that's obviously better but is it still okay to have minimal inflammation i mean isn't the goal to get rid of it totally he said even realistic is that yeah i don't know how realistic but to keep it at very minimal levels um you know signs of inflammation are very vague they can be and they start out you know you know, it may be a skin irritation. It may be brain fogginess. It may be, you know, you're more tired or you're having trouble losing weight. Um, they're very, very subtle, and there are things that you could relate to a variety of things. Um, it's like what you described with rubbing your skin, though. It's kind of an, uh, the analogy that I've used is like a boiling pot. Like if you don't stop it, it's going to keep going, and it's eventually going to, to kind of boil over. Um, and turn into something bigger. Um, and so you want to try to reduce as much as you can. Um, some of the top inflamers are going to be like your processed foods, added sugars, um, excessive alcohol, caffeine, um, those type of things. And so I'm not going to sit here and tell you that I don't ever eat added sugar and I don't ever have a glass of wine. Um, but for the most part, you want to, um, you know, on a general basis, you want to reduce those as much so that when you do have dessert or when you do have wine, um, like I did Saturday night when I went to a friend's birthday, I had cake and wine. You know, what restaurant? <laughs> no, she's. Uh, oh, you didn't do a restaurant. 
expensive. Oh, well, I'm sure they have. Uh, there's certainly barbecue in Tuscaloosa. Yeah, there is. We know that, <laughs> yeah. I'm sure. But um, so, all right, so give us a list. Give us a list of the big offenders. Garlic, sardines. <laughs> Again, I didn't warn you about my husband. I'm sorry, Carolyn. Go ahead. <laughs> Garlic and sardines are actually great for for reducing inflammation. Right. Those are actually great foods. So your biggest offenders are going to be your processed foods. And when I mean processed, um, I mean those foods that have a lot of of extras that aren't natural. Um, If the food doesn't resemble um, how it grew in nature... (laughs) Mm. <laughs> if the food doesn't resemble food, you know I know some know people who. Carolyn, who, is there anybody who doesn't know? Like when you talk to clients, is there anybody that doesn't know that processed foods are bad for you, or that margarine is bad for you? Really, where have they? Are been? they really? You know there are, or maybe they don't realize that. What is a processed food? Maybe how bad they are. And that uh-huh. there are, you can still use convenience items if you just, you know, but you can choose smarter convenience items. I don't people, I don't think people realize just how bad some of these can be. And I don't think they, I think people still look at it in terms um, from like a weight perspective, like the fat and the sodium and calories. And they aren't really, it's not, doesn't appear to be on a lot of people's radar that like all those chemicals and other added ingredients. Yeah. Maybe you're having a long-term effect, and hey, yeah. all this stuff, all these weird symptoms I'm having may actually be connected. They're they're absolutely toxic on your body. Yes. So, all right. So, processed foods, we know that. All right. What about, you know, do you remember those little those little uh, I don't know how how old your kids are, but there used to be these little gremlin movies where. You know, there'd be this cute little gremlin that would fit in your hand, and then all of a sudden it would morph into this really horrible thing. It would be disguised as something. <laughs> what foods do we think are good that are really not good for us? Cigarettes. No, I don't <laughs> think they're good. No, no. We, Does anyone would, yeah. think those yeah. are good? Okay. What foods do you think people yeah, are? Um, really, there's your, what, it's easier to say your, your inflamers are going to be your processed foods. It's going to be um, anything that puts a stress on the body or kind of anything that has an irritant or isn't supposed to be in the body. So excessive alcohol, excessive um, like artificial sweeteners, chemicals, coloring, those kind of things. And there really aren't, as long as you're eating Your real food that's really close to its original state, yeah. Um, there really yeah. aren't any bad foods. The one, the two caveats would probably be gluten and dairy. And, you know, I tell people that, um, and, and I kind of walk people through a, a easy kind of protocol to slowly reduce inflammation. And one of the things I suggest is just temporarily cutting out both of those. And for most people, I don't mean cutting this out long term. I just mean mm-hmm. for a few weeks. To let their body calm down because if they have inflammation and their body's inflamed, then gluten and dairy are two things that can kind of aggravate that further. Uh-huh. But most people don't have to cut that out long term. Once they get that inflammation calmed down, their body isn't going to react or be aggravated by the gluten and dairy necessarily. All right. 
But if those things, but if those things are causing inflammation, and then you take them out, and your body calms down, and then you put them back, your body's just going to become inflamed again, isn't it? Well, you know, I, I would imagine sometimes it does, and sometimes it doesn't. And that was my sneaky way of getting a, a, a commercial break. And uh, we will right, return we'll break, Carol, we'll with uh, more bit. of the okay. food show in just a moment. After first, please this. We are back, 260-6368. If you have a question for our guest, Carolyn Williams, she is a doctor of nutrition, I guess. Hi, Carolyn. Yes. Hello. Yes. And her book is Meals That Heal. It's a beautiful book, and it is uh, it is recipes for getting inflammation under control in your body, especially for busy people. Meals May I look that at that be, while you're talking? Of course, meals that can it's be... It's a beautiful book. Yeah, it is a beautiful book. Meals Thank that you. can be done in 30 minutes or less. Is that right? That's right. Of the book? Okay, so here's here's my problem with all the talk about inflammation. Okay. There are the lists that are good, and then the next day, those are the, the bad foods. Like, I have read countless times, my drug is tea. I drink a lot of tea. I drink a ridiculous amount of tea. And it's all I do. It's my one vice. But um, but it's a lot, and I know it's a lot. And I have read that uh, tea is one of those superfoods that protect you from all of these things. And then I read that it's one of the high inflamers. So which is it? <laughs> it can't be both. No, tea is good. Tea is tea is good, especially green tea. Um, it it there's some now, pretty good research. green tea doesn't research. have caffeine in it, does it? It it's, has a does, little, but not as much. But really, okay. all teas, unless you're adding like a ton of sugar to yours, um, nope. tea is nope. not. Um, it is not what I've ever I've ever heard referred to as an inflamer or seen in the research. Um, okay. So I think you're okay. Now, the, you know, it's everything in moderation. So if you're going excessive on tea, um, where it's, you know, putting a strain on your body or, you know, um, you know, getting too much caffeine um, on a daily basis, then that might add to it a little. But in general, tea is not um, an inflamer for most people. All right. What about coffee? Coffee is one of those that's on the great list and then the not so great list. Coffee is fine, too, and I, I talk about coffee in the book um, as well. Um, coffee is fine, too. Again, it's everything in moderation. So if you're drinking a ton of coffee or so much that it's raising your blood pressure and it's, you know, got you stressed or, you know, in a tizzy, you know, because you've got so much caffeine in your body or, you know, you're drinking it um, with a ton of artificial sweeteners right, or added sugars, right. then, yeah, then that's not good, but... Coffee, you know, coffee, you know, a glass, juice, sometimes even three, if that's what your body's used to, is okay. Okay. What about milk? Now, I looked in your book, and I thought that I saw that you even mentioned that milk is coming back to the good list. Is it or is it not? Is dairy... See, I've always thought based on... I mean, I've been, re I've been researching this stuff for probably 10 years, so... Um, I, I was under the impression that dairy is a big inflamer. Okay. So, th and this is a big area of controversy, but unless you have a dairy allergy or a dairy sensitivity or you're like you're lactose intolerant, 
Research does not support that dairy causes inflammation. Now, and this kind of gets back to what we were talking about with gluten and dairy before the break. If your body already has inflammation going on, pretty significant. You know, it's kind of like if something's already irritated, then other things that wouldn't normally bother it will bother it because you've got existing irritation. So if you've already got significant inflammation in the body, then the dairy and the gluten may aggravate that further. So that's why I recommend just taking out for a few weeks. Um, Again, once you get the inflammation calmed down, then you can usually reintroduce it. And if you're at the inflammation, Mm -hmm. dairy and gluten aren't going to, you know, exacerbate the low level of inflammation. Um, I'm looking at Oh, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm looking at a page of your book. And it's something that I'm always uh, being confronted with. It seemed like for a long time you shouldn't be eating uh, very much in the way of eggs. Because we keep, we'd be reading these articles saying that, you know, if you eat the, the eggs, especially, especially the uh, egg yolks, that it, it loads up uh, too much stuff. And right now I'm looking at one item from your book here. It just says, are eggs okay in a little a little paragraph here, and you make the point uh, the rest of this recipe gives us some home fries and the eggs and some sweet potatoes. And my lovely wife here uh, has taken on this wonderful habit, and you're going to tell me, I hope you can anyway, uh, that it's it's an okay thing to check out on in the morning. And uh, she makes a little, um, almost like an omelet, but it's a, a, a small plate that has sort of like scrambled, scrambled eggs and a little bit of uh, sea salt and olive oil and maybe a couple of other things. But that is, as I find, a very pleasant thing to eat in the morning. It's not heavy at all, and it looks nice, and it's it has some interesting uh, qualities in the eating of thereof. Yeah, so cetera, eggs are on the good list, aren't they, Carolyn? That's perfect. Um, especially keeping you fueled and through the morning. Yeah. yeah. And they're fine. Even eggs are even fine for someone who is at um, high risk for heart disease or may have a heart disease. You just maybe want to keep those to, to a minimum or, or to a certain number each week. Yeah. But yeah. if you don't have existing heart disease, uh, or not at high risk, um, you know, they say an egg a day is fine, an egg or more um, is fine. Yeah, I've heard that two is the max, but uh, one or two uh, a day is actually a good thing. I mean, it's good for protein yeah. and all that. But, but you, you know, know and eggs they're... were vilified for the longest time, and this is what I say about this sort of thing. It's like one day the food that you love is – I'll give you an example. I don't usually eat eggs for breakfast my entire life, and for the first, I don't know, 15 or 20 of them, for uh, years, I uh, I argued with my parents about my propensity to have chocolate and milk for breakfast, <laughs> and now chocolate is is a health food, you know. So yeah. I always go back to my family, nana, nana, nana. I I was I was avant garde in this because now if I have a piece of chocolate and some nuts, that's health food. Well, you've got a couple of nuts right now. Yeah, that's health food, <laughs> isn't it? If you know what I mean. Exactly. You know. And you know, that chocolate and milk for breakfast or the chocolate and nuts, 
is probably maybe a better option than a sugary cereal for breakfast in the morning. It's probably well, I've never, healthier. ever eaten. Ne- I mean, like, never in my life have I ever had a bowl of cereal. Like, there isn't you You could put a, a pack of cigarettes and a box of cereal next to each other and offer one or the other to me, and I would say, I that's kind of a toss-up because neither one of them have any appeal at all to me. So um, that's never been an issue, but I, I have always really liked chocolate, and the darker the better. You? So, but but and also that that goes with milk because I need the milk to you know to counteract it and and I do think I could be lactose intolerant but I still drink milk because I love it you know but yeah. I mean these are things yeah. that you know that that are also on the inflammation list the you know the the milk and the chocolate not the nuts fortunately yeah. no one's well, gone after and, my nuts what and, and you know a little bit of chocolate's okay I work in some sweets at the end of the book. Um, and, I, and then I kind of also give you some guidelines and, you know, it's not realistic to say we're never going to eat added sugar. We're never going to eat dessert again, you know? Yeah. Um, so how do you, how do you incorporate it or how do you eat it, um, where it does minimal damage, where you can go to a friend's birthday and have the cake and, you know, not worry about it. Okay. So how um, do you, <laughs> you know, Hello? I just realized just how many added sugars they're consuming each. And in salad dressings and ketchup, it's everywhere. Um, Carolyn, your connection is not that great. I don't know what you're doing, but if you're, you know? if you have a. Just home in a little bit closer and it'll be fine. Is that I better? Think. Yeah, that's yeah, better. Yeah. Yes. Thank you. Okay. Um, so eating sugar, up first step would be kind of cleaning up your diet because a lot of people have no idea just how much added sugar they're consuming. Um, it's not on the food labels, although it's coming in 2020. Their manufacturers are going to be required to list exactly how many grams of added sugar they had, and that's what you mm. want to avoid. So really looking at ingredient lists, getting rid of those, added sugars that are that you know you don't even realize are in there and your salad dressing and your ketchup and condiments um you know in grain dishes and breads that type of thing so getting rid of those so that on a daily basis you're really consuming very very little added sugar um and then you know plan ahead to to splurge um you know and make sure it's something that you really really like um, and enjoy it. Um, now, this doesn't need to be every day. This doesn't need to be every other day. Um, I think it does need to be know, every day. <laughs> a, a sweet treat once a week or, you know, once every two weeks is definitely okay, especially when the rest of those days in between when you have it, um, you know, you're really, you've really cut back on the added sugars. Okay. You know what bothers me as much or more as all of this stuff that you're talking about? The hidden omega sixes in the oils that we omega sixes. What are those? Omega. The ratio. Oh wait. You know we have to take a break. We're gonna. Oh. We're gonna come back. Yeah, that's a good after, idea. After we take a break, we're gonna come back and talk about the ratio of omega six to three, because that's a really big mm. inflamer. We'll be back two six zero six three six eight. If you have a question for our guest. 
uh, we will be talking more about some inflammation. Mm. You can do that in 30 minutes or less. Mm. So tell us, Carolyn, what you would like to have people know about this this game plan and and how to achieve it. What are, what are your words of wisdom for everyone? You know, more than anything, I wanted it to be realistic. Realistic and taste good and be something um, that doesn't overwhelm people. And I kind of um, break, I break stuff down on how you can start. Um, and it's really based on what your concerns are and what you're ready for. Um, but just start step by step. I know a lot of people, and I'm the same way, you know, you decide you're going to change your diet or you're going to try and lose some weight and you just want to, like, change your diet overnight. Um, you know, just throw everything bad out of the pantry. And, you know, um, and that doesn't necessarily work for long-term changes. Let's start with just a few things. Maybe we're going to work on cutting those diet sodas out. Or maybe we're going to work on getting in fish twice a week. So I really focus. Now, I do also guide you if you want to change your diet overnight. But I, um, I encourage people to focus on just a couple of things. And let's get those down pat for a few weeks. And then let's add some more, some more changes um, in there. So more than anything, I wanted people to know that this, um, is realistic based on where you are. I try to meet you where you are. It's family friendly. Um, like I said, my kids had to taste every single dish in here, <laughs> and um, it's it's quick. Um, again, I'm a working mom, so it had to you know anything that I wouldn't cook at six o'clock when it's crazy in the house and I'm shuttling kids um, didn't make um, the cut. But the other thing is is in, reducing inflammation is good for everybody, no matter your health status, no matter your age. It's good for your kids. These are things we all need to be doing. Um, maybe you're in great health. Well, that's great. Let's maintain it. And keeping tabs on inflammation and reducing it um, can do that. It can slow the aging process. Um, but then also, particularly like if you have an autoimmune issue, like rheumatoid arthritis or lupus, um, or if you have type 2 diabetes, reducing inflammation can really ease a lot of your symptoms um, and make your condition a lot more manageable. And, you know, and it, it can just be some small changes that can make a big difference. I love this book. I think it's very well organized. I think it's as clear as a bell. I think it's attractive. It makes you want to eat even the things that you wouldn't ordinarily want to eat when you see how pretty they look. Uh, it, it's a really, really nice book. I, I, um, I feel like you have, to, you have to be seriously committed to making these changes. And I've and, been accused of that. And, and I feel like um, if I... If I'm serious and I'm going to do a new program, and then I do, I don't know, I think most people are like this too, I, I, I fail, I fall down in one aspect, and then my next thought is, oh, well, I, I've already failed, let me just keep going. I mean, I think, exactly. I think a lot of people fall into that, don't you think? Yes, I'm that way too, and that's, you know, that's why I really try to stop people from doing that or, or discourage them. Let's just focus on a few things, something better than nothing, um, yes. and we can't set these 
crazy high expectations. Um, you know, some of the first things that I've recommended to people are just, okay, focus on getting leafy greens and berries and nuts in. Let's focus on getting those in every week. Let's focus on getting those leafy greens in every day because those are some of the most powerful um, anti-inflammatory foods um, that that play roles in disease prevention. So, you know, I tell people, let's start with that. And then, you know, then we'll move. Once, you, once you've gotten used to that, then let's add something else. And then let's cut back the artificial sweeteners, you know, or whatever – whatever the issue is. Can I make a suggestion here about this? Yeah. Something that has worked uh, very well for me, and that is uh, one, of, one of the best people I know in, in order of keeping all of my thoughts in, in straight uh, lines, uh, my daughter, my daughter who is in her 20s, very sharp uh, lady, and uh, I could go on and on about that, but uh, she, I, I remember when I had a, a little issue uh, uh, with weight and a few other things, she busted me out of that just by telling me the right things about twice or three times. I think it, it's great to have other people around you who are kind of in the same uh, pr- uh, procedure that you have. And uh, and it kind of gets you going. Or, is it, or am I just imagining that? The support is always good. Have to have support. Yeah, I think it's good. And it's, you know, it's not, things aren't black and white. Um, people, you know, people come to me and say, give me a list of foods I, you know, I need to be eating and what I need to not eat. And there isn't, you know, it's going to differ by person based on what you need. And nothing is technically off limits. It's just how you eat it and the frequency of it. You know, so I think we tend to, I know maybe it's human nature, but I tend to, I want things black and white. You know, I want an exact plan and it's, that's not life, and that's not realistic, and that's not nutrition. It's um, learning how to incorporate those less healthy things to minimize their effects and enjoying good food. Um, that's the, you know, the origin of the phrase basis. baby steps, I guess. <laughs> okay, so we didn't get on the omega-6s and the omega three. So talk about that a little bit. Okay, so, you know, we used to be so focused on fat, total fat, um, and that's not really um, – Total fat isn't really the big issue anymore. Fat is um, good for you. Fat, yes, you need fat. Um, you know, and if um, I went, I got my undergraduate degree in nutrition, um, but in the fat-free days, as I like to call them. And so if you had told me back then the amount of fat that I'd be eating, you know, today or that I'd be eating half an avocado with my lunch, I would have said you are crazy, but I love it. Fat is good for you, but it has been a hard mindset shift for a lot of people. Now, the key thing is you don't want to go excessive because it does have a lot more calories per gram. Um, but um, you also want to choose the right kinds of fat because that makes a big difference. Fat, I tell, uh, I teach nutrition and I tell my students, you know, Fat can either do really, really good things for your body or fat can do really bad things inside your body. So you want to get fat, but you want to get the healthier fat. And one of the things we've been realizing, and we brought it up, the omega-6 to omega-3 ratio. And a lot of people um, don't even know a lot about this. But what they've realized is we get way more omega-6 fatty acids. Now, Omega-6 fatty acids are unsaturated fatty acids, which are the healthy ones. So, you know, we've been told those are good. 
they are um, vegetable oils, corn oil, those types of things. They are um, they are very high in omega six. So a lot of our processed foods, fried foods that you buy, a lot of those are going to be really high in omega six. The problem is that we don't have a healthy ratio of those omega six to omega threes. We get so much omega six. And it's the omega-3s that are also unsaturated, but the omega-3s are so, there's just tremendous research on how much they can do positive in your body. And it's those omega-3s that we just do not get enough of um, because we're too busy getting the omega-6. And so the omega-3s are going to be in um, some of your nuts, like walnuts, as well as like flax seeds and chia seeds, but also your fatty fish. Um, and then choosing oils like olive oil um, or avocado oil that, um, that, yes, they still have some omega-6, but they've got um, omega-3s as well. Um, so, you know, using those, getting fish in twice a week, just really boosting that omega-3. Um, you're really missing out on health benefits and p- potential um, disease-preventing um by not getting omega-3s or making a point to. But most people, you know, I have to make a point to get it um, daily, you know, because a lot, most most people um, don't get much in their daily diet. There's well, my uh, little uh, morning uh, egg deal that yeah. Marianne uh, makes for me. One of, uh, one of the statistics that I keep seeing is that the ideal ratio of omega-6 to 3 is 1 to 1, and the average American diet is 16 omega-6 to 1 omega-3. So that, have you seen that one? Yeah. I mean, that's like I ha- shocking you know, I've to seen, me. You know, it's just kind of depending on who you ask. Um, I've seen 3 to 1, 4 to 1. You know, any improvement, um, reducing that ratio um, from 16 to 1, uh, reducing it down, any improvement um, is going to be good. Well, I, I keep seeing what amounts to sort of like a boot camp of two weeks, where if you adopt a diet like this that is, you know, pretty much grinding your normal diet, I mean, depending on your normal diet, like my normal right. diet is pretty healthy, you know, um, so if you were, but still, I could so much improve on it, but um, if you if you grind to a halt your normal diet, and I know that that's not what you're advocating, but I, my point is, what is the time frame of curing, not curing your body? I, I mean, I think that any inflammation is bad, and so the goal should be completely removing inflammation. So. You know, I, I remember hearing a, an interview many years ago, and it might even have been the cereal guy, who said, um, you eat like your, like your grandmother fed you rather than how your mother fed you. So oh, if you are great. a baby boomer, you grew up in the 50s when the convenience food culture began and when all of this downslide in our in our health and our diet started because of the way we eat so your grandmother though didn't have the convenience foods so that was much closer to its natural state which would not be conducive to inflammation so if you do go back to that 
I guess my question is, what is the time frame that has been established based on research for ridding your body of inflammation or very drastically cutting down on it? Like, yeah. you know, the healing process. How long does it take yeah. to heal? Well, and, you know, there's no – one thing is it's very hard to measure inflammation. It's very hard to detect inflammation, which is why I think this is a topic a lot of people don't know. It's really at the root of all these different diseases and conditions. Um, but if you measure inflammatory blood markers and if you, like you said, cut everything out overnight, you know, within 24 hours you're going to see even, you know, it may be slight, but you're going to see a decrease in some of those markers. Um, and the longer really, the 24 hours? Because I, I usually see two weeks as the period. Mm. Well, I'm so saying it, hours? You know, wow. it's not going to be all of them, and it's going to uh -huh. depend on, you know, just how bad your diet is. Um, but, you know, two weeks is probably a better um, to see kind of across the board and to see oh. significant um, improvements. And to even feel a difference, it would be two to three weeks, maybe even four weeks, um, you know, to be able to say, hey, you know, I feel like I'm thinking clearer. I don't have that rash on my arm, you know, or my digestive. I'm not having those weird digestive things yeah. that I was having. Um, yeah, but, um, you know, any little bit helps. Uh, but, yeah, you're going to see it pretty quick. Or you may not be able to see it, but if you were to measure markers inside your body and kind of look oh. inside your body, you know, it's just going to slowly not be quite as irritated. And, and that's why I tell people to think, think of it as like, um, irritation, you know, that just builds and builds. So if you slowly yeah. reduce that irritation and the aggravators to that velcro. irritation. That's, that's how it was described yeah. to me once, like a velcro. velcro. We have a caller. Would yeah. you like to take a call? Yes, that'd be great. Okay. Let's go to Allie. Allie, Hi, y'all. Hi. Uh, I knew she was hey. uh, there some kind of way. Hi, Tom. Hi there. Come on in. Thank you. Carolyn, yes, I'm very interested. Okay, I love this topic. I'm so excited that we're discussing it. Um, and I wanted to know, so you said your your recipes are tried and true kid-friendly. Mm -hmm. I have a two- oh, and a four-year-old who are, who are very, um, you know, who are, are, they have very diverse palates. We've been very blessed with, you know, they'll eat and try anything. Um, but are are the foods in this um, book, you know, how do you start introducing these meals um, to them so that they can sort of acclimate their appetites to them? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, and I love that you're already introducing them um, to some different foods and you know, not your normal, you know, getting beyond the normal kids' foods. In hindsight, I wish I had done that more with my kids. Oh, my believe me, girl, nine... they eat mac and cheese at least once a week. So I'm not going to I'm not gonna <laughs> lie about that. Like, I'm, 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 that's full disclosure. We have mac and cheese at least once a week. But I feel like, based on what you said, like, we could take baby steps or counter yeah. when we had a really indulgent meal. Right. So I tell people... Don't, first of all, don't cook two meals. Um, if you, and I, I tell people to, you kind of use what I like to call kind of deconstruct the dinner, and it kind of depends on the age of the kids. But um, let's say you're making the chicken tostadas in the book. 
Um, well, they may not want theirs topped with avocado and tomatoes and all that kind of stuff, but they can certainly eat the chicken. It's just tender, shredded chicken um, and very mild spices. Um, so serve the chicken separate and then maybe serve them corn and black beans. And you can deconstruct the meal to make it a little more palatable for them. You know, a lot of kids don't like their stuff mixed all together. Um, you know, so if it's um, like there's a lemony shrimp and spinach um, with feta. Um, so, you know, serve the pasta on the side with a little olive oil and then serve the shrimp next to it. And then, you know, a little spinach or spinach salad. Um, break it down for them if you need to. That's just as good. Um Okay. And you know, just keep introducing. I think what research suggests is, and this is what I'm banking on with my kids, is um, that it's them seeing us eating healthy foods over and over again and them being right. exposed to different foods. They may turn it down every time you put that broccoli on the table, but just exposing them to it and them seeing you eat it and cook it on a regular basis they're eventually going to come turn around, um, come around, um, or they're going to pick that up as an adult and cook it. Okay. So do you feel like, so one of the things I've tried, I've um, tried to do more of um, with cooking dinners is making leftovers for their lunch the next day. You know, just like you've been talking about Marianne, kind of like, you know, doing food 2.0 where we're cycling stuff for the next day. So, um, do you feel like these recipes are leftover friendly? Like if I decompose to them and put them in the lunch boxes, like do you feel like that they would stay well um, or carry over well the next day? Yes, definitely. And I, I am, I love leftovers, um, but I usually never eat leftovers for lunch the next day in their same form. I kind of, I'm kind of bad about that. So, I mean, make, uh, no, you know, that's a good thing. That's a good thing because if you make it more interesting, you'll like it. Right. Like I said, and I kind of um, try to help coach you into how to do this. You know, I prep a few things at the beginning of the week, but I'm rarely making whole dishes. But I'm making sure I have, like, a cooked grain on hand. I'm making sure I have leafy greens so that when I use those leftovers, maybe I use that chicken that I had from the chicken tostadas. Busy, make a spaghetti squash bowl for lunch the next day. Okay, yeah, I um, love leftovers. I love reusing leftovers yeah. for, for other dishes. So, so that makes sense. Okay, the one other question I have is, and, and I was asking, you know, I know there's still kind of like, to you know, Marianne's point, she pointed out that dairy is is sort of a on the fence. You know, there there are people that advocate for and advocate against. So I give my kids yogurt several times a week, and I know that one thing about inflammation is it's really supposed to heal gut health, and that's one of the things I want my kids to have. Is you know, yes, I let them have you know treats and um you know we have a mac and cheese day, but like. Listen, I want to make it clear. What else do you give them? What's an alternative for a strong probiotic for them? Okay. I'm so glad you brought up gut health because I realize now we hadn't even touched on it. And gut health is so key because if you have a strong gut or you have a good balance of healthy bacteria in your gut, then when you do eat those less healthy foods, all those chemicals and all those compounds that really don't need to go into your body, they're less likely to cross over the gut lining and into your bloodstream. 
So the right. str- a stronger gut is going to real is really kind of at is one of the. Do key you feel things. like the yogurt with the probiotics is still? Is there another option that I can sort of like rotate with? Like they get yogurt a few times a week versus something else that really encourages, you know, gut you know, gut health and gut yogurt. wellness. Any kind of fermented foods, um, although those aren't necessarily always kid-friendly, sauerkraut. I know. That's um, Kimchi, um, those types of things, fermented foods. But the other thing is you can um, encourage the the growth of existing bacteria they have um, by giving them prebiotics, which you're probably already doing, um, which is mainly fruits and vegetables. And they act like the food for the probiotics. Now, the other key part, and you always, always get asked, like, what can I eat to, you know, get those good bacteria? Well, what a lot of people also forget is that avoiding those less healthy foods, those inflamers, that's also key in maintaining your gut health. Okay, well, yeah, yeah. I have, yeah, I have to stop you that. guys right now because we're about out of time. But I'm going to tell I'm you sorry. this, okay, Carolyn. Yes, yes, yes. Full, full disclosure, Allie sometimes sits in for us. So I think that the two of you should have another conversation about this because Tom does not want to be present with any discussion of gut. So he's going to start crying. He'll start crying if we keep talking about okay. gut in front of him. So in closing, okay, Carolyn, I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to pitch your book again after, but we're going to let you go now. And I just want to say Thank that, you, that mac and cheese is good for the soul. Every now and then you need a good. <laughs> One oh five. Okay. Thank you, Carolyn. We will have you on again, I promise. Radio, 105.3 FM HD 1. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.